it's time for you to get out of the way and let somebody else be the general manager. Who is there checking to make sure young people constantly are rising in this organization so they can stay young and vibrant and strong and not get old dinosaur and and, 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 and intrepid and stupid and garbage and fossilized? Because that's what's happening. They're getting fossilized to the point where they're not addressing some of the needs that are very obvious. These things that we're talking about are not very deep things that that uh, need to be addressed. They just need to be addressed and not ignored. Anyway, let's get into this article, man, on this one. And this is from the WDSU Channel 6. Uh, they bring on a data guy, Jeff Asher. Uh, y'all probably heard of this is fair use, fair use, fair use, fair use, fair use, YouTube, fair use. We're going to go over this and we're going to listen to this and we're going to kind of do some live commentary over this. Y'all put one in the chat, man, if y'all can hear this one from um, from Channel 6. It was a, it was actually a pretty interesting report. Here we go. Season is over. Should have been in the playoffs, but they're not. Jeff, what are we talking about today? So I came here ready to talk about the big playoffs uh, that the Saints were going to be in, but, you know, we're not able to talk about that. So instead, we're going to talk about the data and what it says about the reasons the Saints need major changes this offseason. Five reasons the Saints need major changes this offseason. Pretty point blank. I like it. Well, you know, right to the point. All right. Number one is that the coaching staff has not been performing as well as you'd hope they perform. Uh, if you look at the advanced metrics, everything screams, and we talked about this week in and week out when I was on here, this should have been a playoff team. The Saints finished seventh in net EPA per play. That's expected points added. That is our advanced metric for comparing teams and individuals. Uh, 12 of the 13 top teams in EPA per play made the playoffs. The Saints are the only of the 13 teams that didn't make the playoffs. They had a win expectancy of 10 and a half by a, a relatively simple formula where you take the number of points for and the number of points against, and you get an estimate of how many wins a particular team should have had. The Saints should have had 10 and a half wins. All right. So, and, and this is, it's an analytic man, an analytical fella, dropping analytics on the family members. He's saying, you know, and you guys heard him, that the Saints should have had 10 and a half wins. It finished nine and eight on the season. The Saints should have made the playoffs. And it don't take the numbers to, to tell you that, but you could have looked at the schedule that the Saints had this year was so incredibly, ridiculously agreeable for him. It was the most agreeable schedule that we've seen the NFL give the Saints in some time. Not only that, but the Saints had a wide-open NFC South. Tom Brady was gone. Carolina had a rookie quarterback. And Atlanta was still dealing with what was going on with their quarterback. They had pretty much a young quarterback there uh, to try to figure out what they were going to do. So the Saints had an had a very agreeable NFL schedule. They had a very agreeable NFC South uh, field that was wide open for them to get there. And what did they do? They missed the playoffs. How? See, this is the thing. Nine and eight. Don't let them con you with the nine and eight. The nine and thing. Nine and eight thing was a failure. The only way that's a agreeable and a win is to Dennis Allen only because he's never had a season where he finished above, you know, you know, with a winning record. He did that this season here, that this past season, he finished nine and eight for the very first time in his career. That's a positive for him. 
But for us, that is a lose. That's a loss. It's, it means three years of nine playoff activity, despite the fact that you had a very easy or agreeable schedule and the NFC South was before you and you still couldn't get it. You let Baker Mayfield beat you. Amazing. And people don't understand how incredibly frustrating that is to have those things given to you because not only was the teams that the Saints played on the 2023-24 schedule were very agreeable, the majority of the teams that we were playing were rookie quarterbacks. The Houston Texans should have been a win at the time. The Green Bay Packers game should have been a win. They were up by 17 and let them score 18 points in 11 minutes to steal the game from them in Green Bay. The Minnesota game where the Saints went up there without Green Bay, I mean, without Minnesota having Kirk Cousin, he was done for the year and Justin Jefferson was hurt and they still beat the Saints. Make it make sense. They come back off from Minnesota. They get a bye week between the Minnesota game and the, and the Falcons game and they still lose the game. After telling you that we have the answers in the building, Derek Carr stood up there and lied and said to the reporters, Jeff Duncan, Mike Triplett, who was asking them, and they were playing along. They knew he was lying. And we was pinpointing and said, Listen, look at the Derek Carr sitting up here lying to the reporters, talking about they got the answers to what's going on with the offense in the building. Put one in the chat if you remember that. Put it in the chat. When Derek Carr was standing up there in front of the reporters telling them, we got the answers to the, what was going on with the NFC, with the offense. And the reporters asking, well, what's the answers? Well, we can't tell you that, but they're in the building. They're in the building. See, I remember all of that, man. When the season is over with and they're standing up here at 9 and 8 and you don't even make the playoffs, you don't get in the playoffs, and you had a wide-open schedule, a wide-open NFC South, and the best you can do is finish out 9 and 8 to teams that are – to a Tampa Bay team with Baker Mayfield on top of that thing. No disrespect to the Buccaneers. No disrespect. And Green Bay with a guy that started for the first time since Aaron Brooks was there, was able to beat the Saints. Amazing. Simply amazing. But at the end of the day, the Saints don't have anybody to fault. They can't fault me because I was telling them the right shit all year. I was telling them what needs to happen with the interior of the defense that Dennis Allen didn't change. When the Saints were getting ran on week after week and allowing scores to happen, getting ran on, they could not stop rushing a quarterback. They did not change the interior of the defense. We promote and change to do something about that. They didn't do anything. When the offense was thinking and stammering, stumbling and bumbling and falling through the goddamn floor and kicking field goals and, and having one or two quarters when they'll score a touchdown and then die for the rest of the game. We were saying at the time that something needs to be done about the offense. When Elvin Kamar was frustrated, they couldn't run the football. They, you could do so many different things. Start with changing personnel. And that starts at the top with the play caller of the offense. Put somebody else in there and see what happens. He did nothing. Now, he did promise change three times during the season when the Saints offense was thinking, but didn't do nothing. And then when the season's over with, this some bitch got the, the the balls to stand before you and tell you that he's pissed. He's pissed when anybody with a brain could see that the Saints needed to just make some slight adjustments and they would have won at least one or two games from the schedule to get them in the playoffs. This was mismanagement. This what this was. They had everything that they needed to have. 
during the season, we kept saying when the season started that the Saints needed to operate as a running team and have the pass off the back of the run. I was been saying that what the Saints did when they knew Derek Carr was tore up in there, out there throwing the ball around, couldn't throw the ball accurately, ball sailing, all this kind of madness. What did they do? They try to make him throw the ball 30 times a game. Sometimes it was 40 times in the game, and they still losing the game. And he saw he have 30 and 40-something attempts per contest at certain stretches of the season. Letting him throw the ball more than them running the ball. And at some points in the season, they were actually doing a decent job if they would have stuck to it. But then if it starts stinking, move these other guys that can't run block out and put somebody else in there. If you had to go to the street to get a veteran, go to the street and get a veteran. They had money. Make a trade. Do something. They did nothing. And then tell you at the end of the season that they pissed. And then the analytic man get up here with the numbers and said, Shane should have won 10 and a half games. Well, la-dee-da. Tell me something I don't know. We've been saying that for the whole damn season long. What a waste. These are these Saints, Mickey Loomis and Dennis Allen ain't nothing but two of the ugliest time-wasting trolls that you can ever possibly. Should have, could have, would have, man. That, that gap, you have to put on coaching. And Bill Parcells has the famous uh, quote that you are what your record says you are. Well, the Saints coaching staff is what the record says they are. And that difference is on them. I think the best example is here. We have a graph of along the bottom. This is the pre-snap motion, the percentage of offensive plays where the Saints ran pre-snap motion. That data comes from ESPN Analytics. Um, Along the, the vertical axis here, we have the percentage of plays that were play action. You can see here the Miami Dolphins, really innovative, had a a great year for the Dolphins offense. The rest of the NFL kind of towards this side. The Saints are this gold dot in the corner. They had the least innovative offense in the NFL. If you don't change that and you don't change what you're doing in terms of a coaching staff, you can't expect different results. They got play action going there. Oh, my God, man. This dude is basically a more nerdy version of myself. He's saying it sounding like with a Harvard education. Well, I'm a little bit more rough and street sounding. <laughs> I'm old, diehard, black and gold guy to the core, baby, to the bone gristle. But at the end of the day, had I not said these same things dozens of times to the point where I'm, I'm annoying my family members in the in the in the great Saint Tank Tank, <laughs> did you just hear what the man said? He's saying what I've said for game after game after game while Mickey Loomis sat on his ass and did nothing. I'm not going to let that go. He did nothing but made excuses on why his emotions, why he's emotional, he can't evaluate during the season. And I said that over and over again, and people hear that, and, and it just, and to me, I'm like, that is so stupid. What kind of professional is this man? How do you let your emotions get in the way of improving the team on a week-to-week basis while we still had the time? We could have did something about it. We could have we could have stopped this. We could have stopped this, man. We could have won some games. We could have improved some things. But now we're facing these bastards, and they're talking about we got to go into the offseason. They did nothing to stop the slide, what was happening. And we've seen it all and was warning them, and they told you that you are negative noise because you was trying to tell these dumbasses that you are not doing it right, but you're not qualified. 
the judge coach, but I guess we are qualified. We was right as rainwater. I can tell you that much because your dumbass coach failed to get to the playoffs for the second straight year, which makes him a failure and makes Mickey Loomis the biggest failure in the building. And you'll be the biggest failure and, and, and that I've seen in a long time attached to the Saints if he attempts to go against the Who That Nation and the Great Saint Think Tank by keeping Dennis Allen there and continue this pompous elitist mentality that he and all these little things that he like to take shots at the people like he has all of the knowledge when you were living off of Peyton, you're a Peyton parasite, a sidekick. You ain't nothing but Robin. You're a Robin to, to Peyton's Batman. You're a sidekick. Y'all name, put sidekicks in the damn chat. All the sidekicks you can think of. I can only think about Robin, uh, Wonder Boy, or whatever. I, I can't think of a lot of them. But whatever a sidekick is, that's what the hell Mickey Loomis and Dennis Allen are. They're Sean Payton's sidekicks. They're not even real superheroes that carry their own shit. These are sidekick people. That's what they are. All right, let's go back to this family. Let's get back into this thing. Here we go. Late in the season, but too little, too late. Uh, a little bit. Yeah, and... It just it didn't do enough. Got to go with gold. Should have gone with, you know, gold usually symbolizes something good. Well, it's not that good. It's the Saints. Yep, they're nine and eight. All right, let's move on to number two. Oof. Number two is that the 2023 Saints had a historically easy schedule. Seven of their nine wins were against teams that are picking in the top ten in April's draft. Next season, they get eight games against teams that are going to be in the playoffs coming up. So they naturally, get, they're going to go to the Super Bowl next year. It, naturally, yes. they get they get the Eagles, they get the Chiefs, they get the Cowboys. It's going to be a much tougher schedule. And to show that, what we've got here are the 20 teams with the easiest schedules in terms of opponent win percentage since 2001. The Saints, chuck in here at number 14. The Falcons, funnily enough, are had, uh, faced an easier schedule last year. Um, but the Saints, the Falcons, and the 2007 Browns are the only of these 20 teams to not make the playoffs in their given year. Every other team, and the 2007 Browns won 10 games. Every other team made the playoffs. What I want to pay attention to, though, is this column on the right, which shows the change in the number of wins for each team the next year. The 2007 Seahawks had the easiest schedule by win percentage of any team since 2001. They lost six, they uh, won six fewer games in 2008. The average team lost greater than three more games per season the following year after they had an easy schedule. So a lot of the reversion to the mean is just going to be coming from the schedule getting harder. We can absolutely expect a harder schedule next year. So you're telling me the Saints are likely going to go 6-11 and 11 based on that? You know, if that's what the numbers suggest is going to happen based on 9 minus 3. That's the simplest way of, of guessing what they're going to be. Analytics, baby. The Saints, and, and that was one of the things that I was thinking about, that the commentaries that were made during the season was and this is just analytics is what they're saying based on uh what happened from the past and we knew coming into it this very uh, very agree i say i don't i don't i'm not gonna say soft even though you can i say agreeable it was a very agreeable schedule for the saints and not only just who they played but what time they played them and where they played them like when they got ready for green bay they played green bay when the weather was really good they it wasn't a point like toward the back of the season when it was involved and they have to go up there and take these people on in snowy terrain and all that kind of stuff. You get what I'm saying? The teams that they played and when they played them, some of the colder weather teams was during warm weather, really good weather. So, I mean, they, they had it all this year. They had it all. They really did. 
they had a wide open NFC South and a very agreeable schedule that was, this was set up for them to thrive. This was set up for them to be very successful and they squandered it. They squandered it. They squandered it. An easy schedule in the NFC South. These people squandered it. Here we go. Uh, the third reason to, ex- to, to expect things to change next year and to make major changes is the Saints have really good luck in terms of turnovers. There's lots of analytics that suggest that turnovers are relatively random, not completely random, but in a given year-to-year situation, they're relatively random. The Saints were plus 11 in turnover margin. That was the third best in the NFL, only one off of the best. Derek Carr, I know there was a lot of grumbling about Derek Carr, but he had the second lowest interception rate of his career. He had the third lowest number of fumbles, only seven fumbles in his career. So if you take this graph, which shows along the vertical axis, the number of the turnover margin for every team from 2001 to 2022, on the bottom you have the next year, what was their turnover margin? Was it, uh, if you went from 10 to five, you'd be negative five. So what it shows us is there's a lot of regression to the mean in this. So here were the Saints at plus 11, you would expect a significant decline in their turnover margin. So the fourth reason why the Saints are uh, in need of, of major changes is that they are old and expensive. They were by far the oldest roster in the NFL in 2023, and it's only going to get older. Um, salary cap. Everyone's favorite conversation every offseason. Well, the Saints are always in salary cap issues. We, we always have the salary cap issues. Here, along the x-axis, we have the average age of every roster right now. This is going to change. And then along the y-axis, we have the salary cap space. Here are the Saints in yellow. Obviously the oldest. Obviously the least salary cap space. Cam Jordan had two sacks and is going to be 34. Taysom Hill is going to be 34. And he's got a very limited role. And he's going to see a salary cap number jump. Alvin Kamara is going to be 29 in a league where almost all the running backs are 28 and younger. You've got all of these very difficult decisions. Usually they kick the can down the road. Is this the core you want to kick the can down the road with? Um, ideally, what you do is you make up for it with our fifth reason that the Saints need major changes through the draft. Young contracts are the way to get better, to get younger. And you saw it in 2006. You thought, saw it in 2017. Terrific drafts, epic drafts that made uh, several years of success. The Saints have been really bad at drafting the last few years. They are one of two teams to not have a single player that they've drafted make a Pro Bowl since 2018. Under Mickey Loomis from 2001 to 2017, they had a a player make a Pro Bowl in every draft but 2014. They've gone several straight drafts without a Pro Bowler. You saw some positive signs towards the end of the season with the rookies, but their entire process with drafts, even if you don't think about making huge trades for Trevor Penning and Marcus Davenport, the players they're selecting are not making the impact that's making up for having an old roster. So right now, does not look great for what the Saints are going to happen to the Saints next year. I don't know if that's coaching changes, personnel changes, philosophical changes, but they really do need to think about major changes next year. (laughs) That's Jeff Asher, Saints data analyst. They need to send, and this is something that I'm going to send to the New Orleans Saints organization so they can listen to this because, um, they need to hear that and see that's what happens when you do your damn homework Loomis. When you understand, you know how bad when you're doing your evaluations as opposed to being emotional all the damn time, you're actually doing your goddamn homework. You're doing your work, the stuff that you're getting paid to do to keep a, a, a temperature or a, a check on your team. 
uh, to make sure the players that you're drafting, the guys that you're bringing in here are having an impact at a positive level. It would help if you would do daily or even weekly to monthly evaluations on the team that we can understand what we need to do moving forward. But then after the end of the season of not doing anything, going to wait another couple of weeks before they come up with a stratagem to decide on what they're going to do to fix the team. The bottom line is this is a mismanaged team at every level. This is also a big, fat, happy team. What I mean by that is they're big, fat, and happy off the money that we've pumped into their bank accounts over the last 20 years. And, and they were sleeping at the switch over the last several years. Now you're seeing funk and you're seeing stink and you're seeing inaptitude. You're seeing all this other stuff going on. And when you're bringing, I'm bringing the, 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 pulling the, the, the cord, I'm, you know, shaking up the bell. I'm, I'm blowing the damn horn, whatever you want to call. I'm trying to sound the alarm to let these people know that this something, this is, this is going in the wrong direction. So all we get hit with is your negative noise. You're a negative noise. You're a negative nanny and all this kind of old bullshit. So at the end of the day, I just, I'm just like with Mickey Loomis and I'm telling them you need to do something about that. You need to get up and this is what Mickey Loomis's need to do. This is, this guy gave us some analytical proof why Loomis needs to step down as the general manager and have somebody else with some vision, some youth to step in there and take over the, general manager duty he still will be the vice president he can get the hell out of the way while we got a chance let somebody come in here let them find their own head coach let them build up the team the correct way and this was well said a lot of what this man said was hardcore statistical analytics that he gave him but a lot of the stuff that we said during the season was strictly uh, you know, you look at what we were saying were commonsensical. All this is commonsensical because we were saying it the entire damn year. What we were saying from Dennis Allen. We knew Dennis Allen. He's in. Listen, Dennis Allen lacks a lot of stuff. That's why I don't want him to be the head coach. It was a bad call. And Loomis made the call because Sean Payton told him to. He didn't make the call because he felt like Dennis Allen. That's what he said in that bullshit press conference a couple of years ago. Oh, and then Dennis Allen is going to be a fantastic coach. He's a great coach. He never done anything. Make it what you're talking about. He ain't winning the damn thing. He, he, he was a losing ass head coach with the Raiders. Oh, he, well, hold on now, Q. You can't say that. Oh, Dennis Allen is a good guy. You know, you know well, turn, make him the damn janitor. Let him go wash some windows somewhere. He probably screwed that shit up. I mean, it just, the dude is just, it, it, it just, he's not the right guy for the job is what I'm saying, man. At the end of the day, it's just crazy, man. All right, Brother Rich, thank you, man. He says, Q, I believe the Saints didn't play some players because of their contract incentives that would cost the team. That's why we're here. That could be right, Brother Rich. I'm not mad at you. That makes some sense, bro. And Brother Thomas says, another reason Saints at home because DA and and Pete um, game plans to start each game put them behind the the A-ball. Yes, so badly that we needed halftime to make adjustments. Hashtag bad coaching. And remember, one of the things Dennis Allen said when people asked him about halftime adjustments was, well, what did Dennis Allen say? Dennis Allen says, oh, halftime, the halftime adjustments are overrated. Remember he said that? People asked him about halftime adjustments. What did you tell him at half? What, half? what adjustments did you make at half? What did Dennis Allen fire off and say? Oh, halftime adjustment, that's overrated. He got he, he got a buck on the reporter. Remember that? And I'm like, man, who are these people? And then Kamara came the next in, the next person, I think he was an after Dennis Allen got off of there and left. Alvin Kamara stepped to the mic 
after the game. And then Kamara, they talked about halftime adjustments. The question was asked. He said, and Kamara said, we made the adjustments at halftime. <laughs> we did. We made some adjustments. I was like, oh, it, it, so, I mean, it was, it, it was either him or Taysom. But then, regardless of man, it was always a disconnect in the building between what was going on between the coach, the supposed coach, and what's going on with the players. It was obvious frustrations from several key players during the season. But notice that a guy like a Michael, like a guy like Mike Thomas and these guys usually get in trouble. They'll get in trouble because they'll say, well, Mike Thomas is on the online tweet. Mike Thomas is doing this kind of stuff. Mike Thomas is upset. Well, who does he take his frustrations to? Who's going to listen? Is it, is it, if he, could he take it to Dennis Allen? No, because a lot of people don't trust this Dennis Allen, how he dealt with Jameis the year before when he lied to him about, I'm going to play you. And then, lies to him and Jameis says he lied to me why didn't Jameis go talk to Mickey Loomis because Mickey Loomis is not involved in none of that Mickey Loomis is somewhere doing some other dumbness he ain't keeping the pulse of the team he don't know what he's talking about he's not even a real general manager a real general manager would never have let Michael Thomas frustrations get to the point where he tweeting on social media you mean to tell me that's the first thing they do? Them dudes is going to go because if that was the case, you would see them be tweeting a lot more than just a few circumstances that happen out there. At some point, these guys would have to go there. If you can't make it work with the coach, my door is open. Okay. This is what a responsible general manager do, Loomis. My door is open. If you got a problem, I start players. Listen, if y'all have a problem, you can't deal with the coach. And listen, we understand it's a pecking order, but I would rather you come to me than you go to the reporters. Okay. So if you have an issue with Dennis or anybody, my door is open. You guys can call me or you can come in. I'll close the door. We'll talk it out. I'll make sure I do whatever I can to make sure everything gets smoothed out and and appease the players. That would count. That's what we're doing here. We're about the players. We're about success. We're about keeping that environment of family going. And we know sometimes family get into it. So if you can't make it work with the coach, my door's open. Come holler at me and I'll see what I can do for you. Now, that's what a cool-ass general manager does. You don't then, oh, well, listen, Jameis, I know Dennis might have told you that. But listen, um, you know, well, look here, buddy boy. I'm so sorry um, that you that he told you that. But listen, uh, uh, you know, if it's uh, all decisions are final, you know, and he's the coach of the team. Well, Mickey, you're the general manager. Can't you go and talk to him? He lied to me. I'm actually the, I'm getting paid to be the starter. I mean, not Andy Dalton. Well, you know, see, Jameis, a starter could be such a very strange word. Um, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, the starter, you know, starter, you know, there was once a long time ago, they had a, a jacket that used to be a starter jacket. And, you know, and sometimes people would put the starter jacket on and they would think they would be starters of a team, you know, and it was just a name, you know, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't the same stuff. You know, so man, that starter could be, it could be a, um, a, a fringe word, you know, and I, and I, and, you know, just, um, what I'm trying to say is, um, um, uh, look over there. And then he, <laughs> he points to him, look over there. And then when the guy turns around and look, and then he looks back and Mickey's gone like he was Batman or something, he just disappears. You know, that's basically could, what could have happened and should, it has been going on in the damn building. Because if you're a general manager that give a damn about the mindset of, the, of your players and your team, your door is always open. Your door is open. How are all these weird circumstances, situations happening with Dennis Allen? And you should post, you're supposed to know who this man is. If you hired him, 
you're supposed to know whether or not he would be capable of dealing with people outside of the defense. What is his weird quirks and behavior patterns, you know? And the reality is he had zero resume. There was nobody asking for Dennis Allen to interview him from anything. Not even college teams was inter- interested in, in viewing. <laughs> nobody wanted this guy, but it was Sean Payton. Sean got pulled here, just like Drew does. And Sean Payton told Loomis, Dennis, your guy. And making Loomis as lazy as he is, lazy and as unsophisticated as he is, turned and looked at uh, Dennis Allen. And after going through that, and they really didn't want to go through that long-ass look to try to see if they could find other head coaches, well, we're going to try to keep it the same. The only problem is you you don't have none of what Sean Payton has in terms of his leadership ability, his, uh, his, his ability to make people accountable, his discipline. And by all means, his damn show is intelligence, bro. Those are several really big items to be missing when you got all these Tonto and Thank you, Barbara, for that Tonto and Superboy and, and Robin ass people around the team. <laughs> the team ain't going nowhere led by a bunch of sidekicks. So, I mean, in the end, man, thank y'all for y'all super chats, bro. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Far too kind. Uh- All right. Shout out to you, man. Appreciate you. Pete says, Q, did you hear? Uh, yeah, I heard it. I covered it, bro. We talked about uh, from Amy. Amy Trask is her name. We covered that on the on the Tuesday show. You know, with that because that that came out, man. We covered it on Tuesday on the Patreon special. And then I think that Wednesday, everybody got a hold to it after that. And they started doing it. But we had done that already on Tuesday on the Patreon stream. We talked about Amy Trask and what she was saying about Dennis Allen. But that was nothing new. She said that about Dennis Allen when the Saints first hired him. She said, I hope he's improved. And that was 10 years ago, you know, that she worked for them. And she said she's not surprised because Dennis Allen doesn't. He's aloof. He's a weirdo. He doesn't know how to talk to people. Um, he's a backstabby, weaselly guy. He's you just seen him throw his, his entire team, his, his whole offensive unit out in front of the threw him out in front of the bus before the world. 